Good morning, River Rock Bible Church. How are you doing this morning? Uh, you guys don't sound that well. You sound a little tired. Is anybody out there a little tired? You can raise your hand. It's okay. It's church. You can talk in church. All right. How many of you would say from time to time you feel stressed? Anybody out there? You feel stressed? How many of you, the summer's coming to an end? Maybe you took some vacations. Maybe you forgot everything we learned back in Dave Ramsey. You pulled out that credit card to help pay for your vacation. The bills are starting to come in, and you're feeling a little bit of financial stress. College students, I know you guys are there. You're like, I need to do laundry, and I can't even find enough quarters to do laundry. How many of you would say from time to time, I feel financial stress? How many of you would say that? How many of you would say, I feel like my life is so full, I don't have enough time uh, to to spend time on me or to spend time with people that I love? How many of you would say that? Moms, come on. I know you can be honest. It's all right. It's church. So all over the room, hands are going up. Why, Why is everybody in the same boat? Why is it that we're strapped for time, that we're strapped for money, that, that we just fill our lives with so many things? Uh, and I, I believe it's because we live in a society uh, that tells us that we need to be doing more. We live in a society that, that encourages us to do more, to spend more, to buy more, to have more. And we slow down and, and it, it's insane the way that we live today, and we call it normal. My kids just started kindergarten, and you would be amazed, like the number of clubs and activities that they encourage you to sign up for at school, and the expectation is that you would do all of them, right? Not just one of them, but hey, if you want your kid to be successful, they need to be in robotics club, and they need to be playing a sport, and they need to be in chess club. I'm like, they're five. They're still picking their nose. They don't get chess yet, all right? They're going to be just fine. Uh, but it's insane. I know, I know seven- and eight-year-olds that four nights out of the week, they have activities. And that doesn't even include what they do on the weekends. And, and it, what happens is we get so busy that even our children's schedules that, that, are, that are imposing on them begin to impose on us as parents because we're the ones that have to drive them everywhere and get them to do everything. And most of us, we're driving around, we're so busy that if someone were to stop and say, hey, are you enjoying life? You'd say, no, and I don't have time to talk about it. The problem is this. The problem is that we live in a world without margin. And we live in a, a world that is so fast-paced uh, that I truly believe that, that it is unbiblical and it is outside of what God desires for each one of us. It's insane the way that we live. I believe that, that over the next few weeks, as we begin this series on margin, we're going to see uh, some things in our life. And, and almost everyone that I know and probably almost everyone you know lives life without margin in their life. We're going to be doing a four-week series called Margin. So if we're going to be talking about margin, I think it's good that we have a working definition of margin. One pastor put it this way. He says, margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. It's the amount available beyond what is necessary. I like to think of it like this. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. The difference between what you have and what you need. Okay, so if it takes... Uh, 20 minutes to get somewhere, and you have 30 minutes to get there, you have 
10 minutes of margin. You see how that works? All right. You have $80 worth of bills and you have $100 in the bank. You have $20 worth of margin. Right. You guys understand how how that works. Right. So uh, it's the difference between what you have and what you need. And and we're going to talk about just a little bit. What does margin look like in everyday life? Margin in every day looks like this. Uh, It may be showing up to a meeting early, right? Getting there five or ten minutes early so you have a second to collect yourself before you go in and you actually have the meeting. Uh, It may mean having money left over at the end of the month. And some of you were saying, like, was that English? I don't, that does not compute in my brain. What did he say? So I'll slow down and explain it to you. Margin is having money left over at the end of of the month, right? You got that? Money left over at the end of the month. Margin may be an emotional capacity, right? You give yourself some emotional capacity so when your kid comes and drops something on you, you don't just go, right? And jump all over your kid because they had some emotional breakdown. Uh, We need margin in our lives. Uh, We live marginless lives. Uh, It may have extra time or extra money in your schedule, and in your budget so that you can invest in a person or in a ministry that you truly believe in. Uh, Margin is freeing us up to do what God calls us to do. It may be time to think. Just time to think. Just time to to meditate. Time to pray. Time to spend time with your family that you love. Or even time just for yourself to, to think and to dream and to ask God what his vision is for your life. These things don't happen if we don't have margin in our lives. Margin, simply put, is what most of us do not have. And unfortunately, one of our elders said this a couple weeks ago, uh, I believe God works most in the margin. The most important things in our life happen in the margin. Anybody out there ever experienced that to be true? That it's, it's the lunch meeting that you weren't planning to have, the one that wasn't on the calendar that just pops up, where God tends to work the most. Or that time your kid comes in and says, hey, Dad, can you, can you play catch? Those are the moments where God tends to work the most in our lives. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how do we build some margin into our lives. And this morning, we're going to look at a story that I think really really exemplifies the difference between someone who chooses to build margin into their life and someone who chooses not to build margin into their life. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, and we're going to see a story of two women. One decided that she didn't have margin in her life, and she missed out on an incredible opportunity. The other one chose to make margin in her life. And, and we're going to see that she chose something that could never be taken away from her. So look with me at Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. This is what we read. While they were traveling, Jesus and his disciples, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She, and her, she had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was what? Say that word. But Martha was distracted. By her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not 
be taken away from her. Two women, the exact same opportunity. Two women have the exact same opportunity. Mary chose to create a moment. Mary chose to create a moment. She probably had laundry to do. She probably needed to stop and get groceries for her own house. She probably had, had things that she needed to sell, money that she needed to make. But she chooses to stop and to make a moment. She chooses to stop and to make a moment. Martha, like many of us, is distracted by her many tasks. And here's, here's the thing that sticks out to me about this. What Martha was doing, she was doing good things. The things that distracted her were not sinful. They weren't evil. They were good things. In fact, they were the things that probably most of us would have been distracted by if Jesus had come to our house. Right? I can remember as a kid, we were hosting Christmas, and my mom's like, you need to go around the whole house, two-story house, and wipe down the baseboards. I'm like, seriously, who comes to your family's house at Christmas and inspects the baseboards? And so Martha is running around. She's probably wiping down the baseboards. You know, she's, she's getting everything set up. She's got to make sure that the toilet paper matches the shower curtain because God forbid that you make a faux pas like that when Jesus is in your house. And she's trying to make everything perfect for this important man that comes so much so that she misses out on the opportunity to be in the presence of the Son of God. Yet Martha, uh, excuse me, Mary chooses Mary chooses. Mary had all of those things that she could have been doing as well, and she chooses that she is going to sit at the Lord's feet. And and too often, I think we find ourselves in the case of, of Martha. We just get so busy that we're distracted. We're distracted, and we miss out on the most important things in life. This past summer, my wife uh, and my family and I were preparing to take a little vacation. And the first couple days we were going to be at home, it was a little staycation. How many of you ever heard that word, staycation? Right, staycation, it's a word that was invented by someone who's got a lot of margin in their life to sit around and think of words like staycation. So we had a little staycation. The first day, Monday morning, I'd preach Sunday. So I get up a little bit early, and I go downstairs, and I grab my laptop, and I just start working. And my two-year-old comes downstairs after mommy gets her out of bed. She's had her breakfast, and I'm still working. She comes in, and she says, Daddy, I go to the park and swing. And I was like, oh, that's cute. But no, Daddy's busy. I've got important things to do. And it was almost as if I could hear the Lord saying, Chuck, you moron. And yes, the Lord calls me a moron sometimes. I'm sure you've experienced that too, but he said, you moron. Don't you realize that is the important thing right now? Your work is not that important shut your laptop, and take your daughter to the park. And so I I almost missed out on a moment. On vacation, I'm on vacation, and I'm thinking my work is the most important thing, that I almost missed a moment with my my youngest daughter. And so I had to close my laptop, and I I went, and we, we had that. And so many of us are consumed with lesser things. We miss out on the best things. We miss out on the best things. We're consumed, we're obsessed, we are possessed with accomplishing the urgent, that we're missing the most important things in our lives. If you look at verse 40, you see Martha comes to to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care? That's my best woman in distress voice that I can do. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to give me a hand. 
she is absolutely convinced that what she is doing is right. And this is the biggest challenge that, that we are going to face in the middle of this series. Is that most of you think that the way you are living right now is right and that it is necessary. Because the rest of the world does it. The rest of the world lives this way. Everyone else lives this way. This, that, that means it must be right for us. Yet we don't realize that Jesus said, broad is the road and wide is the path that leads to destruction. And many are on it, but narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate and the path that leads to life. And very few find it. That's why Paul in Romans 12 too, reminds us to not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Yet so many of us, so many of us pursue the things of this world and, and we think, well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and, and so it's okay because I'm pursuing these things in the name of Jesus. And what we end up doing is we just end up pursuing worldly things in the name of Christ, not pursuing Christ himself, not pursuing the things of God, pursuing the things of the world, simply just trying to attach the name of Christ to it. And we end up distracted. We end up without any margin. We have to understand that, that we can't be like everyone else, that we need to be transformed. And some of you right now, again, you're thinking, yeah, well, okay, so I'll make some minor changes in, in my schedule and my budget. No, no, here's the thing. You, you people are smart. You are smart enough to know that if minor changes would work, you would have already made them. What we're going to talk about over the next few weeks are some major radical changes that need to take place in our lives. And sadly, I, I've been in ministry long enough to know that not many of you are going to accept that challenge. Most of you are going to go on with your life and say, oh, that was a cute series, that was a neat series, um, but, but I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. But a few of you will. A few of you will. And it will change your lives. It will change your lives. Um, in fact, we already had one person in our congregation who made some margin in her life. Uh, this last week, I got a phone call on Wednesday. Judy, why don't you come on up here? I got a phone call from Judy on Wednesday, and she was just so excited to tell me about everything that God was doing in her life. And so, uh, Judy, if you would just share with the congregation, um, last week we, we put out a challenge to the church that we were going to spend five minutes a day reading Scripture, right. and that we were going to set our alarm for 10.02 and pray. And Judy actually made some time in her schedule. She, she made yes. some margin for all those things. So just tell us about your experience. Okay, this is quite a, a thing for me to get up here. I know that's, I think a lot of us would be out of our comfort zone, and that's where I am right now, but I think the Lord wants us to do just that. Uh, what was so funny was my alarm went off 10.02 Monday, and I was busy doing something. So I shut the alarm off and kind of disregarded it, to be honest with you. And uh, I continued doing what I was doing. And then it was kind of in the back of my mind, because I had left it on the table, the, the um, schedule for the reading. So before, how would I say, the day went, the day just expired on me. And the next morning, I was up rather early, so I just got my cup of tea, and I went over and I started to read the first day's lesson, and then I went on to the second and read a little longer than I should have, but then that was Tuesday. Wednesday, it was an automatic, and then 
all of a sudden I just had this feeling of warmth and something good, just an all-over good feeling, and I can't put it into words. I felt so good that I couldn't text or I couldn't email Pastor Charlie. I had to call and talk to him and hear his voice and have him hear mine. I felt so good. Since I've lost my husband, my life has changed, and we have to learn to adapt. It's been very difficult, and this little church is a diamond in the rough, and I thank God every day for it. And Anyway, I told Pastor Charlie, I can't put it into words. I feel an all-over warmth. I, I just feel good all over, like my day is good or complete, because each one of us will say, oh, when I get a minute, I'm going to call Susie. Or, oh, I meant to go see Charlie, but I didn't have time. I'll make time later. Or I'll pick up a book, and you don't do it. But if you set that five minutes, and even if 10.02 in the morning isn't good for you, Say you have your children, and you have to feed them and and bathe them and get them ready for bed, hear their prayers, and then you kind of collapse and put your feet up for a moment. Set it for 10.02 and just read it before you put the television on. But, I mean, I can't tell you how good I felt, and it's continuing, and I I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Can I have your hand? Yes. Let me pray for you before you step down. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Judy. Lord, we thank you that she has made some margin in her schedule every day to be in your word, and to stop and pray for the workers in the harvest. God, we pray that that each of us would be inspired by her story um, and that we would choose to make margin in our lives for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You guys give her a hand. Thank you. Just five minutes a day, stopping to read scripture, one minute a day, stopping to pray and asking God to do something great. I wish you guys could have heard the phone call. It made my day. It literally, it, no, it made my whole week. It made my whole week to receive a phone call and to know that someone's life was being changed because they had made margin in their day for the Lord, for the Lord to speak into them, for the Lord to speak through them. And some of you are saying, look, it's great that you think that, that we can add margin into our lives, but you don't understand. You only work one day a week, right? You, you can't possibly relate to what I do. You don't know what it's like to, to have financial stress in your life. All right, let's talk. Let's, let's get together and let's have a little conversation. Uh, this is the challenge, that we have to understand that the way that we are living is not normal. It is not biblical. It is outside of everything that God desires for us. And, and I'll just say this. Um, you have time for what you choose to have time for. You have time for what you choose to have time for. You can't say, yeah, but my boss. No, you have time for what you choose to have time for. Mary chose what was wise, what was good, and it will not be taken from her. And I believe that if you choose what God desires for you, that it will not be taken from you as well. Now let's talk about some practical implications of what happens when we don't have margin in our life. Let's look again at verse 40 of chapter 10. It says, but Martha was what? She was, say it out loud, you can talk in church, it's okay. She was... Let's try it one more time. She was, there we go. She was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. So what happens when we don't have margin in our life? What we see here in Mary is that when margin decreases, stress increases. You can hear, I mean, if you were there, you could hear the stress in her voice. You guys all know that feeling right? Those of you that have ever hosted a community group, for our family, it's like 5.30 on a Wednesday night. That community group's coming in an hour, and it's like 
throw everything in mom's and dad's room and shut the door. You know that feeling. You know that feeling. We all know what happens. And uh, some of you experienced it this morning. It, it wasn't your fault, but someone in your family wasn't ready for church on time, so you were running late, right? And so you're in the car, and I can't believe it's your fault. We're late again. Shut up. You just got to shut up. Hey, good morning. How are you? So glad to be here this morning. Let's go praise Jesus. Come on. The music already started. I can't believe it. Right? You guys know that feeling. You know what it's like to be running late, to feel that stress. You, you, you know what it's like uh, when you're experiencing financial stress. What happens in your marriage? You start fighting. You start fighting because there's financial stress or something gets broken. Now you have two problems. Number one, something's broken. Number two, how are we going to pay to fix it? Right? We've all been there. You've got that stress in your life. When margin decreases, stress increases. And the second thing we see is this. Look at verses 41 through 42. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But, but what? But one thing, one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. What we see here is that when margin, de- when margin decreases, relational intimacy decreases. Martha was missing out on relationship. She was missing out on relationship with the people that were in her home. She was missing out on relationship with her sister. And she was missing out on relationship with God. When margin decreases, relational intimacy decreases too. Many many of us rarely disengage from the things that that are just frankly not that important. Many of us go on vacation and, and we'll have a six-day vacation, and the first three days we're just trying to wind down, still thinking about everything that we have to do at work. And then we get to day four, and it's like we start winding back up, getting ready to go to work. So we never really get rest. And we live our lives that way. Or we go on vacation, and it's like we bungee jump, and we, we climb mountains, and, and we go shopping all the time, and we come back, and we're so exhausted from our rest that we need a vacation from our vacation. I was thinking about what about Bob. It was on TV last night. Take a vacation from your problems, right? I need that prescription sometimes. And and we live our lives and we miss out on the most important things. And many of you are going to recognize this scene right here. Uh, This is something I've seen over and over again at restaurants. You got a family of four sitting there at dinner. Everyone has some form of electronic out. One person's on Facebook. One person's texting. One person's on the internet. The other one's on Twitter. And they're out Twittering, I'm having a nice dinner with my family. No, you're not. You're playing with your little Twitter. Quit playing with your little Twitter. Right? You could quote me on that. Some of you are grabbing your phones to Twitter that right now. Pastor Chuck said, quit playing with your little Twitter. Right? Quit playing with your little Twitter. Put it down and be present with the people that you are meant to be present with. Build some margin in your lives. Most of us are are so busy that we have no room for relationship. We have no room for relationship with the people that matter most. We have no room for relationship with God. We have no room for relationship with God. I can't tell you how many times uh, I'll run into somebody at the grocery store that used to go to River Rock. Hey, how you doing? H- haven't seen you in a while. Oh, yeah, great. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Uh, well, I used to come, but then I got 
busy. Got busy. Well, well how, how's your walk with the Lord going? Well, you know, I used to read my Bible every day. I used to pray, but then I got busy. Too busy for the people that matter most in your lives. Too busy for God. And we think that's normal. And we think that that is okay. Why is it that so many of us live marginless lives? Why is it that so many of us plan on slowing down someday, but we never do? Why is it that so few people are willing to take the house that they can't afford and sell it and downsize into something that they can't afford in order to create some financial margin in their lives? Why is it that we say money doesn't matter, yet we go out and we fight and we scrape to make more? Why is it that, that we say there's, uh, we need to cut back on our schedule? Why is it that so many of us don't cut back on our schedule to spend time with the kids who are going to be out of our homes like that? God forbid we, we invest in our kids spiritually. They've got to be great oboe players. We need to stop and take time to evaluate not what this world says is most important, but what God says is most important. And here's what I believe. I believe the reason we don't make those sacrifices, the reason we don't cut back, the reason we don't allow ourselves to be transformed, no longer conforming to the pattern of this world, is because we lack the faith to trust God. We lack the faith to trust God that if I live my life according to your word and your principles, that everything is going to be okay. We don't have enough faith to live it out, to believe that God is on his throne and that he will handle the details and that his way is better. We've got to grow in our faith. We're afraid that we're going to miss out. FOMO, right? College students, you guys know that? Fear of missing out, F-O-M-O. And we live with this fear of missing out because if, if, I don't, if, if I don't show up to the meeting, then everybody's going to think bad of me because, because what they matter thinks. That's where I get my self-worth. You know, if I could just get that house, then our marriage would be fixed. We have this fear of missing out. And most of you right now, you're making more money in your entire life than you ever have before. Yet you're more financially stressed. Most of you have more time in your life than you ever have before. Yet you're unfulfilled because you're not investing in the things that truly matter. We have better opportunity to do more great things, yet we're empty and exhausted. We've taken good things and we've made them into supreme things. And any time you take something and you make it into a supreme thing, it becomes an idol. The real issue that we have is idolatry. When you take something good and you elevate it above God, it's idolatry. Spending time with your family is a great thing. I, I encourage you to do it. But when you, when you elevate that time with your family above time with the Lord, and you say, you say hey kids, we're not going to church uh, through the summer because we got this brand new boat and we got to be out on the lake. We need to spend time as a family. And you justify it. And then you wonder why when your kids go off to college, they never go to church anymore. Hey kids, we're gonna, Daddy's gonna spend time with you. We're gonna, we're gonna play in this baseball tournament all weekend long. 
Uh, we'll, we'll go to church in a couple weeks after we recover because we're tired. You know, we played baseball this weekend. We're recovering next weekend. Then maybe we'll go the next weekend. And you wonder why your kids walk away from the faith. You wonder why you feel empty. You wonder why you don't feel connected. It's idolatry. It's idolatry when we take good things and we elevate them to become supreme things. And we're just consumed with this worldliness and this production mindset that I've got to do more so that I can make more money. Because if if I can buy that house, that's going to fix our marriage. So I've got to be at that meeting so that I can so that I can get the promotion because that meeting is going to determine how everyone thinks about me. And, and since how everyone thinks about me determines how I feel about myself, I've got to be there. I, I, I've got to invest in all of these things. I've got to get that new car so that the person at the stoplight that I'm never going to meet will think good things about me. I, I, I've, got to, I've got to work on my body i got to have the perfect body because my body is way more valuable than my soul. No one could see my soul, so I'm going to kill myself in the gym. I can't take five minutes for myself because my kids need me, and if, if, I, if I spend some time on myself, then I feel guilty. You realize how insane that is? Do you realize how crazy it is to live that way? It is not what God has intended for us. It's idolatry. I've got to have this. I've got to do that. I've got to be here. I've got to, I've got to have all of these things. I've got to produce more and more and more and more because I'm empty. Some of you, you aren't married. You're in college. Maybe you're, you're uh, divorced. You're single. And you feel like if I don't fill every moment of my day uh, with something, then it must mean that, that my life is meaningless. And so you go out and you join every club, you take every elective, and you do everything. Uh, you, you, you're part of everything in the community, and you're just going, going all the time because you're afraid that if you stop, then people are going to think, well, they don't have anything going on in their life. And that's not reality. That's idolatry. It's idolatry. And we need to leave room for the most important things in our lives. This kind of insanity is killing marriages. It's killing families, and quite honestly, it's killing people, and it's making them sick. So for the next few weeks, we're going to have a little come-to-Jesus moment. We're going to have a come-to-Jesus moment where we get real, we get before the Lord, and we lay out our calendar, we lay out uh, our checkbook, we lay out every area of our life, and we ask, God, what are you doing? God, would you show me how to live according to the rhythms of your grace? not according to the pattern of this world. You're going to be pushed like you haven't been pushed in a long time. You're going to be challenged like you haven't been challenged in a long time. And some of you are quite honestly going to say, it's not worth it. But those of you that do take up the challenge like Judy did, you're going to find that it's worth it. You're going to find that it's worth it. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 29. Jesus says this, He says, come to me, all of you who are what? Weary and, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Let me me add something here. Come to me, all of you who are stressed, wondering how you're going to get it all done. Come to me, single parent who feels like you're about to fail. Come to me, mom, who feels like you have no time for yourself. Come to me, businessman, who's afraid that if you don't show up to that next meeting, if you don't do more, that you're going to lose your job. 
Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? I will give you rest, peace, tranquility. I will give you rest and take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble and you will find rest for yourselves. I, I love the way the NIV says it. It says, you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. How many of you this morning say right now, I need to experience rest for my soul? I need some rest for my soul. I don't know about you, but, but that is me. Rather than, than filling every moment of every day with activity, what if we took time and we built in some rest for our souls? Psalm 46.10 says this. It says, stop your fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The version I memorized this in, many of you will recognize it. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And if it seems like I'm coming down hard on this margin stuff, it's because this series, man, when I picked it, I had no idea uh, that, that this series God intended for me. God intended this whole series, quite honestly, if nobody else gets anything out of it, I know he intended it for me. You see, this past summer, uh, I was experiencing some extreme fatigue. People in my community group know this. The elders know about this. Uh, I, my, my, I thought something was wrong. I thought there was something medically wrong with me. So I went to an internist. They ran all sorts of blood work. They, they screened me for cancer. They screened me for thyroid issues. Um, I, was, I, I was having a hard time dragging myself out of bed every morning. I was getting about uh, 8 to 12 hours of sleep per night, and I couldn't wake up. And then before lunchtime, I would find myself needing an energy drink, so I'd drink an energy drink. And then during lunch, I would take a nap. And then two hours after lunch, I would have to have more coffee or an energy drink. And then by the time I was done with work, 5.30, 6 o'clock, I'd rest on the couch before dinner. And then dinner was over, and I'd sit back down on the couch, and I had no energy to get up, and I was in bed by 9 o'clock. That was my day, every single day. I had absolutely no energy. And so I go to the doctor. They run all these tests, and, and then the doctor says, the first tests were inconclusive. We need to run some more tests. They run more tests. He says, there's nothing here. He calls me back, and he says, um, your problem is that you're stressed. I was like, stressed? I love my job. How can I be stressed? I mean, you know, I work 70 hours a week because I love it so much. How could I possibly be stressed? And we're preparing for the elder board retreat, and, and I'm, I'm asking the elders for input on, you know, where, sh- where should I be spending my time? What do you guys want me to do? And so I made a list of everything that I do on a weekly and monthly basis, and I give it to them. And like, no wonder, no wonder you're worn out. We're getting tired just reading this list. Like, you need to take some things off your plate. And so I started listening to other people who had, who had dealt with, um, I'll just call it what it is. Uh, I, I started reading about people who were workaholics. And I started reading some of the things because I didn't have $90 an hour to go see a therapist. So I started reading about people who went to therapists. And one of them said, uh, said hey, you know, first exercise when I went for, for being a workaholic, they told me to spend five minutes a day just doing nothing. Set an alarm, just five minutes, and do absolutely nothing. Not a human doing, but a human being. And just be, just be still for five minutes. And so I took that challenge and I, I set my alarm for five minutes. Sat there on the bed. 
itchy, and, and, and it was 30 seconds had gone by. I was like, this is crazy. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then it was like the voice of God said, do you realize how sick that is, that you cannot sit still and do nothing for five minutes? All I could think about was the work that I had to do, the email that needed to be checked. What happened on Facebook while I was away for 30 seconds? And I realized how sick it was. And so I've, I've started to make some changes in my life to become more healthy, to be in line with the rhythm of God's grace. And I know that there are probably some of you out there who are experiencing the same thing, who are feeling the same way, and we need to come before the Lord. We need to drop these things off at his feet. Let him pick up the burden that our souls might find rest. We need to be still and know that he is God. Here's the challenge for you guys this week. Right? I know last week we challenged you with five minutes reading the Bible, one chapter, Luke 10, 2 prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that this week. In addition to your reading, I want you to spend five minutes doing absolutely nothing. Doing absolutely nothing. Leave the email unchecked. Leave the laundry undone. Lock yourself in the... Moms, I, I get it. We've got four little ones. Lock yourself in the bathroom and let the kids bang on the door. They will live, I promise. Or lock them in the bathroom. <laughs> Whatever works. Your Facebook will survive for five minutes without you. You're not allowed to Twitter about it. Just spend five minutes. Five minutes just being still before the Lord. Because what's going to happen in that moment is we're going to come before the Lord and we're going to say, God, I am removing myself as the idol in my life. I am removing these things off my schedule as the idol and I am putting you first. And I challenge you, do it first thing in the morning when the pressure is the greatest. Do it first thing in the morning when your mind says, I've got to go, I've got to do this, I've got to go. Do it then. Because you'll start to realize how many other things are fighting for that number one spot in your life where God ought to be. We're going to take this challenge together. We're going to see if God doesn't do something amazing, if he doesn't begin to change our lives. The next couple weeks in the series, next week is College Sunday. So I really encourage you guys to be here. College Sunday, we're going to have hopefully a great turnout of our college students. Uh, We're actually going to get to hear from one of our college students. Our very own youth director, Mason, is going to be preaching, and he's going to be talking to us about scheduling margin. How do we schedule margin into our lives? What does that look like? And and we're going to have some challenges thrown down around scheduling margin. The following week, we're going to have a message on financial margin. How do I build financial margin into my life? And then lastly, we're going to talk about moral margin, because here's what happens when people get stressed because they're low on time and they're low on money. Too often, people turn to sinful things to fill that gap, because they're looking for something, they're searching for something, and the only way that they can fill it or try to fill it, rather than turn to God, they fill it with sinful things. So we're going to talk about how do we build some margin in our life to keep us from falling into that trap. That's where we're going over the next few weeks. But I I want to ask you this morning, how many of you this morning would say, I need some more margin in my life. I want God to be number one in my life, and I'm going to carve out five minutes of my week this week for the Lord. I'm, I'm going to carve out five minutes a day in addition to my reading. I'm going to spend five minutes a day just being. Thank you. Thank you. Some of you this morning, can I just be quite honest? Many of you here this morning, you may have put your trust in Christ long ago, 
and you think you're a Christ follower, you think you're following him, but really you're just pursuing the things of the world in the name of Christ, and, and you're not truly a disciple. You're saved. You've put your trust in him. You're saved, but you're not truly following him because you've allowed all these other things to dictate how you live your life rather than the Lord himself. And a disciple is one who not only believes in Jesus Christ, but says, I will follow your plan. So some of you here this morning, you may, you may say, you know what, I need to reevaluate, I need to rearrange my life according to God's plan. I'm not going to conform to this world any longer. If that's you this morning, if that's you, if you just say, you know what, I'm, God is not number one in my life, but I want him to be. If that's you, just raise your hand. That's all right. There's no embarrassment. Say, I, I'm going to make that commitment this week. And others of you here this morning, you, you've been searching. You've tried to fill your life with all the activities. You've tried to fill your life. Here's the thing. You, you've sought that promotion and that bigger paycheck, and you finally get it, and it still doesn't fill you. you you've, you've gone for the bigger house. You've gone for the nicer car, thinking that as soon as I get this, it will fill me, and you get it and it doesn't fill you. You've gone for the activities, you've gone for the events, you've gone through everything. And everything that you've strived for, that you've tried to get, you've got it. Yet you're still empty. You're empty because what you're really searching for can only be filled by Jesus Christ himself. And you have never put your trust, you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've tried everything else. And let me tell you, if this morning that is you, and you would say, I want Jesus to enter into my life. I'm not telling you to come to Jesus for a better life. I'm telling you to come to Jesus because he is better than life. And that through faith in him, you will have eternal life. And that you can begin experiencing that eternal life right now. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. That you would have it abundantly. If that's you this morning, if that's you this morning, I don't want you to be embarrassed at all. Just say, that's me. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to put my trust in him and experience life to the full. I'd love, if that's you this morning, come talk to me back at the connections table. Right now, we're going to move into a time called Take Two. I believe that there are some commitments that God is calling some of us in this room to make. If you look in your bulletin right there, it says, God is saying to me, it says, Take Two. I want you to write down whatever God is saying to you about changes you need to make in your life. Write that change down. Write it on your connection card. Let us know how we can be praying for you. And right under where it says take two, it says I will. I will. Many of us have said before, I'm going to make more time in my schedule for God. But then we, we never actually do it because we never develop a plan to do it. I want you to take time over these next two minutes and write down what is your plan to do something about what God is calling you to do. It may just be five minutes of silence. Write it down. Write it down. And follow through. Let's take two.